Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. Okay, thank you. Brother Buck, we turn the remainder of the meeting over to you. All right, I'll try to speak a little slower this week. I think I jumbled some of the words together in speaking too fast. But I'm thinking how that, uh, when we look into chapter 8, verse 14 and 17, we're going to look into maturity in the Christian life. Uh, when you receive the Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior, some people immediately experience great joy and, and, and peace and unruffled assurance and victory over sin. And, and sometimes this irritated some of us, you know, because they were so sure of their salvation and they had so much joy and just kind of let the hairs go up on the back of our neck sometimes possibly because they, they never had periods of doubt that we had or sometimes the defeated in the efforts to keep that old man down and sin and control. But those that are victorious Christians, we got to be careful. You've got to be careful not to judge the weaker believer. You must not be proud of yourselves. We must all remember that all of us are, and all that we have is because of Christ, because of God the Father. Here in Romans 8, we're going to learn uh, that it tells us the way of a victorious Christian life. So there's a news flash here. We have the power within us, and the Holy Spirit, which is a whole, which is our power. And we have a position of being in Christ. That was the first couple of verses of chapter eight last week. We have a promise of no condemnation. And we have no fear because we are adopted. We're placed into a family. And in the family as a son. We received into the family as a child of God. And we have been delivered from the penalty of sin. And soon we'll be delivered from the presence of sin. So as we explore these next verses here in Romans 8, verse 14 to 17 and onward, uh, let's sit back and enjoy the, the practical learning and walking in the Spirit, hand in hand with the Spirit of life. Let's read Romans chapter 8, verses 14 to 17 to start off. <clears throat> For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Have a Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and as children we are heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. We're looking at these different titles that are given us, these different privileges that are ours, the benefit. We're going to be called the children of God. What does that mean? We're going to be called the sons of God. What does that mean? 
We're going to talk about adoption. And there's a couple other things we're going to look into as far as the idea that we are in the family of God. In uh, verses 14 and 17, before we start there, verse 13 begins to, to tell us that the Holy Spirit is not just a help. He's the actual power of God to bring about results in our life. He enables us to control sin. He enables us to stand up and to serve God. He enables us to grow in maturity in the word and in the word. The Holy Spirit does this for us. You see, the law was weak. It could not do this. So the Spirit of God was given. In the first part of verse 13, dead. We were dead and didn't look like to the world. I mean, that's what the whole book of James is about. In the second part of verse 13, the believer, if through the spirit you mortify or put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. I keep saying, starve that old man. Don't feed him with that desire of walking not after the spirit. Now, in verses 14 to 17 of Romans 8, it's evident from the scriptures that our Christian experience, there are many immature Christians, many carnal Christians, many believers that you wonder whether they're even believers. And so Paul brings this out in, in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1 to 3. He illustrates that they're not relying on the Holy Spirit. They're disagreeing on secondary matters, and they're, they're being selfies instead of spiritual. But Paul said, I fed you in milk and not with meat. You were not able to bear. How does one become a meat Christian? Not meek, but meat, M-E-A-T. Well, Hebrews 5, verse 11 to 13 which is one of the five dangers brought out of Hebrews to the believer. But this is only one of them. Hebrews 5, verse 11 to 13 says, the writer says, of whom we have many things to say, hard to be uttered, seems that you are dull of hearing. And when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have one that need to be teaching you. The oracles of God. Milk, they must, uh, such as milk, and not strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is there, then a babe in Christ. In verse 14, it says, They that are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. Now there's an expression, sons of God. What does that mean? I thought we were all born as children of God and sons of God into the family of God. We are, positionally, but practically. They that walk in the spirit of God, 
spirit of life guiding them. They are considered sons. Having a position of being of authority, having a position of authority and a maturity. In verse 13 and 16, I should say, the children of God are emphasized. Sons of God are emphasized in verse 14. Children of God are in verse 16. Why did I skip verse 15? You'll know in a second. But the sons of God emphasizes the actual position and authority of maturity. But the children of God, that emphasizes that they'll, they need uh, a little teaching, that they're a little under, not understanding their position in Christ. They're not a responsible one. And the relationship of God is, is, is a little shaky. They have doubts sometimes on whether they are saved. And sometimes they are. <clears throat> Positionally, you are saved. But practically, sometimes you have these doubts. Um, understand that we need to read the word and study the word. When we're a child of God, when we're a son of God, we need it also. But particularly if you're wavering, if you have these doubts about, I'm not worthy to be one of Christ. Listen to this. In John 5, 24, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. Shall not come into condemnation and is passed from death unto life. That's a firm, a firm information in verse chapter 5, verse 24. Also in 2 Timothy 2.15, you guys that are in Iwana, you know this verse. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So God is instructing us here in these verses that the word of God is how we become not only children of God, but we grow into being sons of God. The ones that have the actual birthright and inheritance. And First John 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to understand that if we do fail, if we do come short, that we as children of God need to know that we can be strong in the Lord and understand that God, if we confess our sins, he's faithful he, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now going back to chapter eight, verse 15. This is the connecting verse between verses 14 and 15. That's obvious, right? It's connecting in this way. And we are not only sons of God, having a position with Christ and an authority to receive the actual inheritance of God, that we also are of the Father. Here's what the verse said. <clears throat> we have not received a spirit of bondage, the fear, but the spirit of adoption crying, Abba, Father. This is the third reason to say hallelujah in chapter 8 of Romans, that we are adopted. We are part of the family of God. Now, the adoption is a little different because as we get into 
the other verse here, we're going to learn that uh, in verse 17, victory over suffering and glory to follow. Since we are children of God, we look forward to being sons practically here on earth. And as sons positionally, we are heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. And here we understand that because we are in the family and we have grown practically from the children of God to the sons of God, we actually will re receive an inheritance. Not because we have done that, but positionally we have an inheritance. So in these couple of verses here, we, go, we move from the idea of being in Christ and the Spirit of God being in us and the Christ in you, which is the hope of glory, that we understand that we are children and we are sons and we are adopted. And finally, we are heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. What does it mean to be an heir? You know that down here on earth, you got a father and a mother, if they both pass away, you're heirs. You receive a portion of what is in their inheritance. You get a portion. But with Christ, because your heirs join in with Christ, you get everything, not just a portion. You get it all. You get the whole ball of wax, it says. Here we have victory. Now, understand that this is another reason to say hallelujah, because we are heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. Now verses 18 to 25, victory in the midst of corruption. In verse 18, reckon with careful consideration that the sufferings of this present time are not to be counted worthy, worth anything, because compared to the glory that we shall be revealed in us. Let's get our Bibles and open up to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to read a few verses there about this idea of being wrecking ourselves, that we're going to suffer, but we actually are not going to suffer worth Let's, let's read chapter 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 19, 25. For this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience sakes toward God endure suffering wrongfully, for what glory is it when you be buffeted for your faults? Ye shall take it patiently. But if when you do well and you suffer for it, you take it patiently. This is acceptable. God. Suffering. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13. And verse 12. Hebrews chapter 13. And verse 12. Wherefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing an approach 
For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. And the third one concerning suffering is 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2 and verse chapter, chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 to 12. In this faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. And if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. So there we have the idea of suffering being accounted a privilege that we suffer for him, for he suffered for us on the cross of Calvary. Let's get on to verse 19. This is something that the world doesn't know about. Let me read verse 19. For the earnest expectation of the creation, not creature, creation, Waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Now, there's a hard passage there. What is the manifestation of the sons of God? It focuses the attention first on the unveiling or the re revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ himself. Son of God come, son of man have come to seek and to say that which was lost. And the son of God is the one that was sent that he might take away our sins. Secondly, it focuses on believers who are the sons of God. You know, the passage in 1 John chapter 3, verse 30, verse 2, I mean, chapter 3, verse 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It does not appear we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, wow, when he shall appear, we shall be with him, for we shall see him as he is. In Colossians 3, 4, when Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall we also appear as the Son of God, with the Son of God, as manifested with him, Christ in glory. We will be glorified. We have that glorified state there. In verse 19, 20 and 22, we're looking to the Father or for the future glory of all the creation. We're going to see some groaning now. And the groaning is not only in creation. Tomorrow's future with a great liberty. A time will come when creation will be delivered. Here's some passages you can write down. Isaiah chapter 35. And Isaiah 65, verses 20 to 25. This is to tell you about the creation and the way that it will be in the coming day in the millennial reign. But in verses 23 to 25, we believers also groan also. The reason for this groaning is that we're experiencing being that first fruits of the Spirit. We get a foretaste of the glory to come. I mean, the breaking of bread is definitely a foretaste of what it's going to be like. What is it going to be like? We're groaning. We're waiting for that 
getting that foretaste that we're, we're waiting for is coming. And we can't wait till we have that new body to live with Christ. So earnestly, we wait for the adoption to be completed now also, to wit the adoption of the body. However, it's like the question that when I first got saved, I asked this brother Hamill who was preaching the day I got saved. I said, brother, you said that if we are saved, we are cleansed and we are ready to be with Christ. Why doesn't he take us the day that we get saved? He had the answer right away. He said, because you are left behind in order to save, to serve him, and to show other people about this wonderful glory that is before us. Amazing answer. Well, are you willing to serve the Savior now? Meanwhile, in verse 24, let us stay focused on that service. In this groaning world, we have the hope, not the world's hope, but God's hope. Although we in 2 Corinthians 5, 2, long to be clothed upon with this house from heaven, remember God's hope. Know it will happen for sure, not knowing when. That's the difference between the hope of the world. Hope of the world, they're not sure whether it's going to happen. We, we hope this coronavirus is going to stop soon. But we know that God is in control. And we hope with the idea of knowing that God has, knows the end from the beginning. And there is a soon coming day that this virus will go away. And we'll be back meeting together. But we have this hope knowing that even if that doesn't happen, the Lord comes. We'll be with him. And like him, we'll see him as he is. In verse 25, we are waiting patiently, expecting the best to yet happen. We're waiting, expecting the best to happen. The best has not happened yet. And there's a story, and many people have told it differently, but I'll tell it in my own words. There's a little old lady in fellowship at a small church. And she was getting in her 90s. She knew that she might be home past before the Lord comes, or maybe not. But she said to the preacher, she said, Preacher, when I'm at my funeral and you were there, make sure I have my Bible in my hand and make sure I have a fork in my hand. Well, it's not an unusual request to ask for a Bible to be in hand. Why would she want a fork in her hand? It was to remind us of the idea of sometimes we have potlucks at our, at our place of worship. We have potlucks. And we started eating and we said, oh, I can't wait till dessert. Some of us can't eat dessert after we eat, I'm sure. But the point was, she was saying that every time the young men and the ladies came around and picking up all the plates and, and the utensils to, to go and wash them, Sometimes she would hand her fork to the person and they would say, hold on to that fork because the best is yet to come. We got chocolate cake today. 
I said that for the sake of the ladies today. Who doesn't like chocolate cake? Only a few poor people in the world don't like chocolate cake. I know Linda's mom likes chocolate cake when she brings it up. She eats a whole big piece right away, even before her lunch. The point is this, the best is yet to come. And that lady wanted to remind the other people when they said, why did she have that for? And he would tell her the story. <coughs> the best is yet. Chapter Romans 15, verse 13 says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Verse 26 of Romans 8. Likewise, the Spirit helps us to pray the right things and have hope with expectation and patience. Sometimes it's difficult to, to pray when your your bodies are aching and you know others are full of pain and our minds are numb because of grief that we have if we lost a loved one recently. Well, we're comforted to know in verse 30, 27, that the spirit of life gives us aid in our prayer. He presents the prayer before the throne of God, knowing God's will, you can be assured that God will grant you what is best for all those involved. It's nice to know that we're not only the children of God, the sons of God, we've been adopted and we have heirs with God. It's nice also to know that we have someone to guide us through our prayers. Someone to interpret the groanings. Because we know that even the Spirit of God groans within him and speaks the language of heaven. The Spirit of God is our power. He is our guidance. He is our teacher. Power is the word for dynamite. Guidance is control. Our teacher is so that we may know. And that takes us, my friends, to that one verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. A very popular verse. Well, we know um, we're children, we're sons, we're adopted, we're heirs of God. We know that the suffering is nothing compared to the hope and the glory that we are going to come by. The Spirit of God is going to guide us into this. And now we find in verse 28 that we know. We know more than many of the high intelligent scientists in the world know because they're blinded by science, falsely so-called. But we know that God is in control. Many use this passage in Romans 8, 28. I'll close with this, this chapter, this verse here. Many use this passage as something that comforts us, that something is wrong in our life, 
And we know that all things work together for good. That, that's good. That's a good thing. The context of this verse is that we can interpret this verse and be understood that all these things that work together for our good, they are eternal matters and their benefits. And we're going to learn about the eternal matters and benefits as we get into the verse 29 to the end of the chapter, verse 29. We'll really be saying a lot of hallelujahs when we get to that portion next week. But in knowing God's purpose, we know. It's just like, you know, a cake. I was talking about a chocolate cake. Let's talk about it again. Let's use as an illustration. The contents of a chocolate cake, baking soda, uh, bitter chocolate, when you just taste it. Individually, it's not very tasty. And sometimes we go through individual trials and testing, and it's not very pleasant at all. Can you imagine taking flour and just eating it? No. But if you put it all together and you mix it together, when it's all done, all those things work together to make that big chocolate cake. You guys are probably getting hungry now talking about this food. But as we get into the next chapter, next portion of the chapter, we're going to break verse 28 down, and we're going to talk about it a bit and move on. But as we look into verses 28 to 32, we're going to see God and His plan was in the eternity past and looking forward to the future. We're going to understand, we're going to know for sure. This is our security. We know that all things work together for good to them that know God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Let us pray. Father, we thank thee for the opportunity to bring forth this section of Roman Greek. What a strong, strong chapter this is. You know, our Father, that if we are weak and in doubt, we should start reading verses chapter 6, 7, and end up with chapter 8, seeing that we've been accepted in the Beloved, seeing that we are in Christ, <coughs> seeing that we are glorified in Him in their coming day. Our Father, we we pray to thee and trust that you will take these verses and let people look over them and see the position that they have and the titles that they've been given and the wonderful blessings they have and trust our Father that we might say hallelujah because of all this stuff. And we can hardly wait till he comes again and takes us home. Even so, come Lord Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.